Hello, welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer. Introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Moms Changing the World. This is Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner, CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, and Parenting Coach. Excited to have another episode bringing another mom who's changing the world in fabulous ways. The guest that we have for today is Sarah Nykerak, and we are going to be talking about neurodiversity and the theme that this year has kind of just brought itself you know, up through. And I wanted to have her come because she is an outstanding and innovative educational coach and leader. And so I'll tell you more about her. Before we jump in, I love sharing uh, quotes uh, and proverbs from Africa, where I'm originally from. And I found a good one from Kofi Annan that speaks nicely to education and what we're going to be talking about today. So Kofi Annan was a former United Nations Secretary General, and he said, education is quite simply, peace building in another name. Again, I'll say that education is quite simply peace building by another name. And I love that it connects us to that idea, connects us to the power of what education is. We often think of it more in terms of just the academics. But if we expand our perspective on what education and learning is all about, it's so much more. And the social emotional aspects of it are just as powerful and important. And Sarah does an amazing job in her work with that. So um, she has over 20 years of experience, inspiring vision as an educational coach and leader. She's a certified master neuro coach, a certified RR tapping practitioner, and the creator of the Accelerated Transformation Method. She's also the host of Teaching Little Brains podcast, and she'll be telling us uh, more about all of those different modalities. With a master's of education and 20 years teaching experience, Sarah's greatest strength and passion is empowering parents and educators alike to create a culture of innovative, passion-led learning in which everyone thrives. She loves supporting educators, students, and families in becoming confident, centered, connected, and conscious creators all the C's (laughs) of lives they love by helping them understand, embrace, hack, and leverage their brain's natural tendency. Great to have you, Sarah. How are you today? Hi, Akua. Thank you so much for having me. I love that quote you shared. Uh, My brain is whirling around that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I mean, there's so much to, I think what you and I, you know, connect on around how children grow, how children learn, helping them 
to do just that uh, by teaching their little brains and the people who work with them, right? Parents, educators, communities, to really embrace the, the range of, of diversity around that. Absolutely. And uh, most recently, actually, I co-created and co-facilitated a, a program for moms around kind of stepping into that matriarch role mm. of like the, the leader of their family. And we worked exclusively with the moms and they, the, the shifts and transformations that they experienced, like the ripple effects of that just brought like, like that's a piece of education is peacekeeping because, yes. you know, once they experienced the inner peace, for example, they learned these things and they practiced them and took them on and they experienced their inner peace. It rippled out to just from their energy, creating this peace within their family. And so that's even just one little nugget of it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love it. I love it. Great. So why don't you you know, start by telling us a little bit about yourself? And even before that, I was just going to mention how I got to know Sarah is that we both were on the panel for uh, Lara Dunn's amazing Calming the ADHD uh, Chaos was the, the first uh, you know, summit that happened online in 2021. And we're coming uh, to do the second one. That'll be available in March for those of you who are listening in real time. And I loved her presentation on the different modalities that we'll mention a little bit more about today. And so when Lara was a guest, make sure to go back and listen to her episode as well. Um, she was able to connect me with Sarah and I was thrilled <laughs> to be able to have this conversation today. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, that summit was incredible and so inspiring and helpful to and important to to parents and and their little brains. Exactly. <laughs> little brains in their lives. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, really so make sure to yes, look up Calming the ADHD Families, the summit that's happening in March. And you can you know, search and register and be a part of that come, coming soon. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yes. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your life these days? Sure. Oh, gosh. These days. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. So, I, like you said, I, I've been teaching, I want to say forever. I decided in kindergarten that I wanted to be a teacher. Now, my reasons for teaching at that time were because I wanted to use red pen and put check marks on papers and <laughs> draw on the blackboard. But isn't that like the most fun part of teaching? Right? <laughs> it, it almost is. <laughs> Just kidding. Right, so, right. Uh, but yes, my, they, my reasons have definitely evolved since then, thank goodness. Right. And, um, but my passion hasn't changed. And I, so I've been doing it for professionally for about, gosh, how old am I? <laughs> 25 <laughs> years or so. Wow. Um, and, and got the privilege and the, the opportunity to become an educator coach. And I was mm. doing that in literacy and in innovation and ingenuity. And as a literacy coach, I've always kind of done things outside the box. And I've kind of like tried to, in my, in my initial terms and and mindset it was like make things fun make learning fun but yeah. what i realized was make it meaningful and help kids connect and be engaged and remember what they're learning cuz what's right. the point if you don't remember it and so i got to stretch myself and the educators i was so lucky to work with to like yeah. do things in a little bit more a different way just one that's like more to the whole kind of being to really 
I, I work with a lady in the in the UK called named Julia Black, and she does lights on learning. And so, in a lights mm. on way, is really what I'm getting at, where it's passion led learning. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, so I was I was doing that, and in doing that, I. I was in a classroom. I saw a few things that were quite, I mean, I've seen it over the years where it's like, it's frustrating and it's sad and things like this, but this hit me in a different way because I had just started learning about the power of our brain. I had been learning some memory hacks and learning tricks, and I had just been introduced to my neuro coach who (laughs) said in a podcast interview somewhere that we can choose our thoughts. And I don't know about you, but I've never been taught that before. And Mm -hmm. I was forever changed. (laughs) Yeah, that I was like, what? I had like wanted to listen to it again. What do you mean? I can choose my thoughts? Like I didn't even know they were Mm -hmm. options. I didn't Mm -hmm. understand. Like it took for a while to sink in. I don't know if I'm slow or if like we've never been taught. I don't think we've ever been taught this. Yeah. And so as she explained more, I thought, you know what? This is big time. If kids knew this in school, if we learned this in school, I was so I've been learning some really neat things from very inspiring and incredible people. And they all said, I wish I had learned this in school. Right. And I thought, what are we teaching in school that everybody's coming out <laughs> and wishing they had learned something different? Oh, so, that's right. And and important stuff, like how, mm-hmm. you know, how our brains are wired for survival and they're going yeah. to throw up like nine to one negative thoughts and, mm. and those thoughts are just options. And most of the time, we don't even know where they came from. We didn't choose to have them and their lies. Basically, they're just made up stuff that we picked up along the way. We never thought to consider them. And so when I was in these classrooms, I, there was a boy, six-year-old boy one day who just like we were doing some writing, he just like yelled, I'm stupid and ran out of the room and started banging his head against the wall. And I just like my heart just cracked in half. And so yeah. I went out with him and just kind of like tried out some of the new tools I was using and just like listened to him instead mm-hmm. of like saying like, no, you're not, which we tend to like, we want to play. Jump into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Argue with that and make them feel better and fix it. And I just kind of like, listen, and he totally relaxed. And he, I said, that must be really hard to feel like that. And then like, he came around and he was able to see, obviously that his brain was just presenting him those things. And I thought this could really make a difference. This is not about memory hacks and learning tricks, which are cool and engaging, but also about mental wellness. And so I pursued my certification in neural coaching. And then, yeah. you know, how you find people through people how we met, right, for example. Right, and right. I found my tapping coach, Sarah Longoria, who's the creator of the rapid relief technique. And I started learning that and I wanted to get certified in that because I thought the two of those things together could really change the game for I was focused at first on, I call them little brains. I have teaching little brains as my, mm-hmm. my podcast, as you said, right, right. but also the educators, you know, my peeps, <laughs> my right, people. Right. Um, cause I, I understand like that, that game, that, that job, mm. that, you know, environment and how much pressure we put on ourselves, how much expectation is on us, like the things that are coming at us that, yeah. reinforce those negative thoughts sometimes and make us question ourselves. 
And then the moms, as a mom, when I became a mom, I was like, you know, us too. The other half of it was I, I was so saddened by hearing stories of like, okay, my kids are more independent now. I get to have a day to myself. I don't even know what I would like to do. Mm. I've lost myself. And that was so sad. So I like supporting moms as well. Cause as you know, well. there's, there's, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. Right. <laughs> so, and, and my right. thought was, you know, if I had learned this earlier, just like the other people were saying, if I had learned this in school and I thought, well, then we need to know it now. And imagine if kids could learn this in real time as they grow up and they wouldn't get to our age and have to unwire all of these things and rewire new stories yeah. um, that they want. So so that's where the the whole thing started. Started, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's it is revolutionary to mm-hmm. re- acknowledge that our thoughts that we have some control over our thoughts, right? That we can have more and more control over our thoughts because as we're growing, we yeah, we the thoughts just happen, and you know, as we enter like school age, we can sometimes even, we start to even like be able to think about our thoughts. Right. And I, you know, I distinctly remember, I think I was like in first grade or something. And I remember sitting in my first grade classroom, looking around and I'm like, wow, you know, I'm thinking these, I'm thinking about, you know, the the teacher, what the teacher is saying. And then I'm looking around and everybody else is thinking their own thoughts and they, they don't know what I'm thinking and I don't know what they're thinking. And so I distinctly remember some of those moments when I recognized that, oh, there's this whole world in my mind that um, is happening, right. That other people don't necessarily see or know. And it's also happening in their brains and minds. Right. So that's part of our evolution as uh, from children to adolescents to adulthood is having a greater awareness of our thoughts, right. And of our, our processes. Right. And it, and it, and from there, like you have a thought and then you have a feeling, the thought creates the feeling. This was the other side that I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So (laughs) it's our thought and they can see this on a brain scan. The thought center of our brain fires before the, the emotion center. And so like when, when this boy, for example, calls himself stupid, that's his thought. He feels a certain feeling, right? He's feeling like mm-hmm. worry, anxiousness, you know, and he can bad about that himself. In his stomach. Yeah. yeah. And helping kids understand that you don't have to believe your thoughts. You can choose. You don't have to believe every thought that comes in your brain and that it's your thoughts that are creating your feelings. And so, and and it's not just like, well, then switch the thought and you'll feel better. It's not about that. We don't want to suppress the other half of it is not suppressing our feelings, learning to, that to feel your feelings is okay. Like that was another revolutionary (laughs) (laughs) power. So um, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited to launch into this and I, you know, like starting practical as far as like food and feeding our family. So let's, you know, talk a little bit about that before we dive into more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the, actually, one of the first things I learned was from Jim Quick. He's kind of like the brain expert. He has, he's speed reading memory tricks. And he was, <laughs> he was called the boy with the broken brain when he was younger, because he had a brain injury and it took him a really long time to learn how to read and all this kind of stuff. And now sure. he's like, he, he on stages will like remember 50 like numeral numbers in a row kind of thing. And wow. he'll, he'll repeat them back. And 
his whole point is like, it's not to impress people. It's to show you what you're capable of kind of thing. Right. And so one of his tricks was this memory trick around the the 10 healthy brain foods. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah. So, cause he says like what, what you eat is matters, especially to your gray matter. And so he goes through this fun (laughs) exercise of remembering these 10 healthy brain foods. And I learned it three years ago and I still remember it now. It's really fun. And so, yeah, we, I, I, you know, that's always in my mind when I'm feeding my family. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You'll have to share some of what those are. For sure. We, yeah, we could do the fun little game. Yeah, we can if you want to. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Do you want to do it through the game? Sure. Okay. So it's it's a location technique. So you associate, when you associate two things, your brain remembers things better. So you attach, like we have even just a word and a definition or a word and a picture, you know, that helps our brains right. remember. Right. So Real we're quick, gonna, yeah, the, the memory, uh, I think idea was the, the idea of a shelf. If you can put it on a shelf, it's something that you know, then you're yes. able to link and remember and pull it off the shelf when you need it. Exactly. And I did a couple of podcast episodes of these different ones, but this one is with body parts. And so we're going to use 10 body parts and then we're going to associate a food to each of them. So the first one is our head. Okay. So your head. Yeah. Your nose is number two. Mouth is number three. Ears and listeners, you can do this along with us. Right. <laughs> your ears are number four. One, two, three, four. Your shoulders are number five. Your throat is number six. Your collarbone is number seven. Like your collar. Mm -hmm. Your fingertips are number eight. Your belly button is number nine. And your seat, we will make number 10. (laughs) Your bottom. Your bottom. (laughs) Posterior. Right. right. Um, Okay. So. And we're going to add imagination in here because when we use imagination and yes. um, exaggeration, mm-hmm. your brain remembers that more, more readily. Okay. So, and this is a technique you can, su- you can use this for anything, your grocery list, like it's really handy. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we'll do the top 10 brain foods uh, as per Jim Quick. So number one was your head. So I want you to imagine a, a stack of avocados on your head. It's like, it's like a tower of avocados and you're like balancing them on your head. So avocado. Nice and tall. Yeah. Yeah. The second one is blueberries. So imagine you're in the second location was your nose. So you Mm. kind of sneeze and all these blueberries come pouring out of your nose. (laughs) Blueberries everywhere. Like you're breathing and they're just like flying all over the place. So you open your mouth to like say, oh no, and broccoli comes pouring out of your mouth. So you've got avocados bouncing on your head. You've got blueberries coming out of your nose and broccoli pouring out of your mouth, steamed broccoli. Awesome. And you think, oh goodness. Um, and then you kind of itch your ear. Your ear was number four and coconut oil starts coming out of your ear. There's coconut oil. Coconut oil is a good um, brain food for the, you know, healthy, healthy fats. fats and stuff. Yeah. Just like avocados. Along with the avocados. Yes. Yeah. So avocados, he calls it's like uh, fireworks in your brain. It causes fireworks in your brain. It's like really happy. Blueberries, he calls brain berries. <laughs> so um, you have coconut oil coming out of your, your ears. And then your uh, number five was your shoulders. So you're gonna just look at your shoulders. And mm-hmm. as you look at your shoulders, picture like green leafy vegetables on your shoulders. 
got green leafy vegetables, kind of like shoulder pads. Remember those old like frilly shoulder oh, yeah. pads or something? That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the leafier, the better. The bigger, the, the better. The leafier, the better. <laughs> yes. Green, leafy, arugula, um, kale, all the things. Your throat was number six. So imagine mm-hmm. that instead of like your Adam's apple or where your Adam's apple would be, there's mm-hmm. a, an egg. <laughs> egg is number six. There's a big egg there. Mm. Number seven is imagine you're wearing a necklace of smoked Mm. salmon. Smoked salmon is Mm. number seven. So imagine this like lovely stinky necklace of smoked (laughs) salmon around your neck that has that egg there. And you got the green leafy vegetables on your shoulders. You have broccoli coming out of your mouth, blueberries (laughs) under your nose, like all the things you look, you're looking spectacular and you're feeling it too. So you kind of like wiggle your fingers, like luxury fingers, like very, right. Look at me, look at me. (laughs) And out of your fingertips comes bright yellow turmeric. So turmeric Mm -hmm. is coming out of your fingertips and you're just kind of sprinkling it around as you go. And then number nine was your belly button and your belly button. Mm -hmm. Imagine it looks like a big walnut Mm. and walnuts look like brains. (laughs) Yes. When you cut them in half. Yeah. (laughs) And then the last thing that's one of the top 10 healthy brain foods is dark chocolate. And our last spot was your rear end. So you can make the connection there. (laughs) It helps your brain, you know, remember, then you can add water on top of that. That's the bonus one. So if you go through now, you can probably remember all 10. So what was number one? Right. Avocado. Number two. Stacked on top of the head. Yeah. And then blueberries spraying out the nose and broccoli. (laughs) Gotta love those broccoli trees. Coconut oil. Yeah. (laughs) Flowing out of the ear. Nice leafy shoulder pad. (laughs) Lettuces or (laughs) greens. We got that egg instead of the Adam's apple up to call it a kua's egg. <laughs> yeah, nice, a kua's egg. And then the collarbone was a salmon. Yeah. Lovely and delicious. And I'm looking fabulous. So we've got the turmeric spraying out of the fingers. Yeah. Are we to the belly button? Number which is nine, the walnut. Yeah. yeah, the walnut that looks like that brain when you cut it in half. And we're to the bottom. We got our jock chocolate. Yeah. You got all it's 10. Amazing. That is awesome. I'm going to have to share that. Yeah. And <laughs> every, you can, the amazing part is too, you do it in reverse and uh-huh. it, like you, you still remember and that locks uh-huh. it in too. Right. So um, right. yeah, it's really cool. And you can do like a, like a control test where you, you say the 10 things. Yeah. You can try this with your kids at home, say yes. the 10 things and see how many they remember in order just by listing them. And what we normally try to do is like, repeat, 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 drill it into our brains. Dur- and that's like the most inefficient way of learning is like rote. And then you do this and see what they remember forwards and backwards. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. I love that. And it kind of ties in nicely to the idea of, you know, how you found your passion and in listening to your podcast, teaching little brains, I lives into the play episode. And one of my first podcasts that I listened to as a a new mom was Raising Playful Tots. And I Mm -hmm. loved that every week, you know, the the mom who was doing that podcast back then, you know, 10 years ago, she would talk about the different ways of play, how you integrate it into your life and just the power and importance of it. And so I love that you talked about that and the connection to, you know, finding your passion. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of play? Yeah, sure. Well, there's one example for you too. Like we don't have to make learning so serious. Exactly. If you can (laughs) playfully attach it to all these creative, you know, ideas, then it becomes a game. 
Exactly. And if you're able to, like, sometimes it's hard for us as grownups. I feel like we forget what it's like to be kids, first of all. And also we have all these stories, as I said, that usually get drilled into us early between the ages of zero and seven or zero to 25 before our prefrontal cortex is completely formed. And it's just through observation and repeated experience and hearing things over and over and our interpretation of what that means. And then that becomes automated. And so we have things like grownups should be respected and, you know, act your age and all these things. And I don't know what happens to us. Maybe it gets schooled out of us. You know, (laughs) we're taught to become more serious. But like when you add a little bit of play, I mean, first of all, there's lots of neurological benefits. It helps strengthen the the wires or the um, networks in your brain. It fires off really good feel-good chemicals. You've got oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, and endorphins firing when you play. There's all kinds of social, emotional skills involved. So like role-playing and turn-taking and following rules and changing rules and going with things and impulse control and all this kind of great stuff. And it also has academic benefits. So like Mm. language development, mathematical skills, um, as we were talking about before, that like yeah. the a big predictor of eighth grade math skills is how much recess time kids got, well, how much play time kids got in grade three, up yeah. to grade three. And that's pretty fascinating. But even adding like it can make things sometimes we, I mean, this might sound familiar, you're getting your kids ready in the morning, and it's a battle, like put your socks on, I told you to put your <laughs> socks on. And when we do that, like, that's not fun. Right. Like if you can get yourself in a space where you're like, oh, here comes Mr. Sock or like, right. you know, oh, I got the wrong one. Which one do I? I did this with my daughter the other day. I wanted her to help me fold laundry. And instead of saying like, hey, can you help me fold the laundry? I was just like, and here comes Zoe. She's going for the gold medal in sock matching. And I was like, you know, you tying in the Olympics play. with it. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. just they're into it in five seconds. Yeah. And it deepens that connection between like your, so scientifically speaking, we are like vibrationally sending out electromagnetic fields and and, uh, with everything, our thoughts are are electric energy, our emotions are magnetic energy, and they can detect this now on like with their scientific equipment. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, and we have these things called mirror neurons in our brain, which like when I see you, drinking a coffee, my brain (laughs) thinks I'm doing it too kind of thing. And it makes me want to pick things up and all this, all this kind of stuff. And so they're mirroring. I mean, we know how much our kids are (laughs) copying us and repeating after what we say. But when you send that energy of play out there, they sync up with that. The most, every cell in the universe is looking for the biggest life energy and it will gravitate to that. So if your big life energy is anger and frustration, guess what that's going to create, right? Guess what's getting reflected back to you. If you can turn things around, which is what, which I, what I love about the tapping and the neuro coaching stuff is like, just realizing like I'm having a thought. I don't need to believe this thought. I can switch it and I can change this moment to a moment of connection instead of frustration and battle. So that's how I, I see play, not only for that, it's not like I'm doing this just so that I can get the laundry folded, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so much more enjoyable. It brings that connection, levity. Mm. And, and that's so important for your health 
and your your mental your mental wellness your physical being your like your cells remember all that stuff so um yeah. yeah and like i said if third grade play can impact eighth grade math scores like imagine what's going on throughout our lives right making all of those cells and you know neurons connect yeah. and form yeah and i think it i think for me it was easier when my children were younger right yeah. when they are in that kind of infant toddler preschool mode because you know life can easily be extended into play right their play mm. you know it's easy to bring song and music and all of those things into it which you know i love you know as you know part of my passion but then as they get older and there are you know more responsibilities and there's homework and there's all these different things and they're also play is evolving and it doesn't necessarily look the same, I think it can be harder to connect that or we forget. I would challenge that as a thought. Yes. That is a thought that you could change like, or just like play with, you could play with it. I like playing in terms of playing with my thoughts too, because when I find something like that come out of my mouth, yeah, but it's harder now because of this. Wait a second. Now I've gotten really good at noticing that and questioning yeah. it and being like, I'm going to play with that. What if it weren't like, right. what if question is a great question. What if it were easy? Right. To still do that what now with that them. Like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then your yeah. brain, your brain doesn't like open loops. So when you yeah. ask it a great question, yeah, it's going to find a great answer. answer. Yeah. So yeah. when you do and I that, do, when you play with it, it's really your fun. thoughts. That is true. And I have to say, like just very recently, a couple of like, you know, day, maybe last week sometime, you know, the song We Don't Talk About Bruno is I think everywhere oh my now <laughs> from in in my brain. I sleep of memory. with that song running through my brain. Yes. <laughs> right, right. And there's so many families online who have done it, you know, and they're acting it out. And so then my kids are like, you know, let's, you know, let's do it. And we are in the kitchen putting the dishes away, right? Trying to clean up after dinner. And we're taking on all the parts and we're doing the dance and it just turns into this big dance party. We, you know, I often will do it with my girls, but even, you know, dad has to be pulled into it as well. And it was like the most fun we've had as a family in a long time, you know, and and, and they ask to do it again. And so it's prioritizing, you know, to to do that and turning kitchen cleanup right into a song and dance time. (laughs) And like, how good did that feel? Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. 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 And, so you know, these are, and these are the moments that we can, right? Turn the, like the mundane, the drudgery, right? The things that have to get done into things that we want to do and look forward to together, right? Connecting us as a family. Exactly. It's yeah. like that movie Inside Out. Exactly. Right? Like those core memories that you're creating. So yes. Good. Yes. Yeah. That's great. So then, you know, is motherhood what you thought it would be? Uh, I am not the mother I thought I would be. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know, I, I, I wonder if there are a few reasons for that. Number one, I'm much older than I thought I would be having kids. <laughs> sure, sure. Partly because it took us three years to get pregnant. And so I wonder if that factors into it because now I'm like more aware of things that can go wrong, like those little unfortunates stupid little moments that like, (laughs) if you could just get them back, everything would be fixed. Kind of like those, uh, those like, you know, those like slim to none chance things that are just like devastating. Yeah. I see those everywhere. Also because it took us so long and she's our only one. I wonder like, if I'm like, I'm not, I'm not as laid back as I thought I would be. (laughs) I, I, 
because, you know, I babysat when I was younger. My friends, I was like one of the last people, one of the last of my friends to have kids. And so I, you know, I took really good care of their kids when I was, when I offered to do so, or when I was responsible for them. And, and I didn't have that, like, I know it's different with other people's kids, but I had a more like mm, free view of like, oh, it's okay. Like they need to take risks. Not that I put them in danger, but you know what I mean? Like (laughs) I I was less like doting over them (laughs) and (laughs) you know, then I, and I thought that's how I would be with my own child, but I am very much not like that. I try very, I have to consciously try, uh, make an effort to like, let her go free sometimes and mm. force myself to sit back. Cause I know she'll be fine. Right. And, and then process my own stuff, which is why I'm really glad I have these tools because boy, oh boy, if I didn't, I don't know, I would be struggling. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And she's about eight or so she's seven. Yeah. She's seven, seven and a half. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah. And she's amazing. She totally teaches me every day. Like she's just a ray of light. She's amazing. She's always happy. She's yeah, yeah, she's incredible. So she definitely teaches me for sure. Yes. uh, Yes. I think that was one of the pleasant surprises of being a parent where I, you know, I went into it thinking I'm the one that's going to teach them everything because I know everything, (laughs) of course. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And yet, you know, they came into this world with so much, you know, like pre-programmed. Right. And I had to shift that nurture nature you know, dynamic to, to really invite all that they were bringing to me and and build on and explore and expand all of that. And the questions, like my favorite, one of my favorite things is like the bedtime questions. Like, (laughs) I think she's almost asleep, you know? And then she's like, she pops up and she's like, mommy, do giraffes stink? (laughs) (laughs) Just random. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, honey. (laughs) What do you think? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do cows oh. know that they have spots? <laughs> it's very in depth. Right. Deep thoughts. What do you think? <laughs> that's a that's a good tool, good tool. You know, totally. turn the question back on them. Absolutely. <laughs> Buy yeah. some time. Yeah. 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 And I so I, I love that, you know, your work is about finding and helping children and adults, right? Find their passion for learning and for, for life and work. And we have, you know, I do want to mention too that, you know, as some of some of the mental health challenges have gone on the rise, especially with the influences of the pandemic and just just kind of our technological technological age. I mean, just so many factors. Mm-hmm. But you know, what even one of the features of depression is a loss of pleasure, right? It is a loss of being able to have fun, even from things that previously, you know, brought joy and fun to your life and your body. And so it, it really is, um, yeah, like you mentioned earlier, sad when we feel disconnected or lose touch with what even makes us, you know, want to have fun or feel like what, what is play for us? Exactly. What does that look like? Yeah. And playfulness, like the desire to even play like that goes yeah. Yeah. somewhere. I don't know yes. where, but yeah. Yeah. And it also, it almost sometimes like becomes annoying. You're like, stop laughing so much. Yeah. What? Who am I? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, right. Right? Right. Like, yeah, it is so important for grownups to play. I mean, we have board games and we have like, there's so many ways to, to reintroduce that. And like you right. said, like impromptu kitchen dance party right. or, right. you know, you rate, make a, make your first play, like a brainstorm list of ways you can play. Like, yeah, it, you're right. It's so, it's so important. And, and especially with depression and 
anxiety and things like that. It's yeah. Yeah. That's a big factor. Right. Right. And I've, you know, we talked on several episodes around what we can do to connect with our children, to tap into some of these things. So I did an episode previously on art, right? How you can tap into art, right? As play and as therapy, right? As a, as a tool being creative, you know, coloring and, and drawing and making stuff, right? As one of the, the tools. Another recent episode was on touch and the power of touch, massage for massage you know, therapist, Anita Prendergast was on that episode mm-hmm. in this season. So there are almost an infinite number of ways, right, that we can explore and play. And you mentioned something, I think, in your episode about rough and tumble that we think about aggression. Can you need to tell us a little bit about that connection. Yeah. So it used to be thought that like, if you engage in rough and tumble play with kids, it'll make them more aggressive. They'll want to like fight more, but actually the opposite has been found that when you do engage in rough and tumble play, then it teaches them like where the line is so that it doesn't become, so they can play roughly with people and not have it turn into like an outright fight. They Mm -hmm. know where, where the boundaries are. Um, this was something that I actually read before my daughter was born. And so I was like, okay, let's do some (laughs) and, you know, typically that's like, you know, the left up to the more masculine maybe, or, Mm -hmm. you know, stereotypically, yes, it's left to the dads or whatever, but, and that is important, but also like we also in that, so there's rough and tumble is usually like physical, right? Right. And so that was really interesting to me. So we made sure that that was there. And I wanted to add in that, like, I mean, this, this is, doesn't have to do with play, but you know, when it's, when she says, stop, it's stop. And, and it's your body and you get to decide who touches it and whatever. So there's that right. sort of teaching moment in there, right? which also plays into. So if she's playing with someone else in a physical way, then when they say stop, it's over. And so right. that's what they were finding that these kids are learning these skills through this play because yeah. they had the opportunity to practice it rather than like mm-hmm. never having done it. And then they get in there and it's too rough. It's like, I just right. got a puppy and it's really reminding me of training the puppy. <laughs> it's all around us. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I am working on and thinking about a lot lately is that, that idea. And I talk to my kids about a lot, finding your fun and learning. Right. How do you have this? What you you know talked about earlier as passion-led learning. Can you tell us? Maybe give a couple of tips on how to help children, especially when they're struggling. You know, we had children who were learning virtually, and some still are. And and it was you know really rough for a lot of families. And mm-hmm. and some kids discovered that they like like it better than sitting in a classroom all day. So how do you you know maybe give, can you give parents a couple of ideas for how to help our children? Sure. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, my collaboration with Julia Black, she's a, she does something called lights on learning. And in there, she has developed this carousel, a learning carousel. And if you're an educator, you might understand it as like a provocation or an invitation. Mm -hmm. And first of all, it involves parents backing off, which is Mm -hmm. sometimes hard for (laughs) us to do, right? Our kids get on we see a glimpse of something they might be interested in and we sign them up for every class there is. Right? Like, <laughs> that's one way to kill passion pretty quickly <laughs> is express any interest in your kid's desires to do something. Right. 
You know how much they love that. So what you can start with is really just like, it's as easy as like setting up a carousel or which is essentially like stations kind of, I guess Mm -hmm. would be another word in your house. So Mm -hmm. you might pull out some, like some artsy stuff, some, some pipe cleaners, some Play-Doh, some buttons, whatever you have around. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to like, you Mm -hmm. don't have to do any shopping or anything. Just pull stuff out, put it on a table with like a little sign that says like, what can you create? And maybe some books Mm -hmm. that have pictures of things in it just for inspiration. Mm -hmm. And then another, like a tech station that has like, you know, for tech, we're kind of worried about how long our kids are on screen, but I feel there's a difference between like creative time on screen and consumption on screen. Right. And so like, maybe it's, you know, maybe there's a green piece of paper and it's like a green screen or they can do stop motion or like you can Mm -hmm. put out little figurines or like, can you create a story? Can you create a movie? Like you give them a little bit of a challenge or or a brief Mm -hmm. as they're called Mm -hmm. um, in the UK. And so, and then maybe there's like a, a drawing one with paints and art supplies. There could be an, an, a physical one. So maybe you set up some equipment outside or inside, like a hula hoop and a ball. Maybe there's a building one that's like Lego, or there's sometimes in classroom, like we all have old devices, or many of us have old like appliances or devices around. You can cut the cord off of it so that it's safe and yeah. just put some like screwdrivers and things around. They can kind of deconstruct. So you're kind of hitting some of the areas like engineering, you're hitting some of the building people who are into building those, those people who like filmmaking, Mm -hmm. the creatives, there could be a writing prompt, like all these different things. You can just put it out and see where the kids go. Mm -hmm. And the key is detaching from the need for them to pick something and stick with it. Mm -hmm. Detaching from well, if they don't, if they just like, you know, dabble in one or two and then they're like it's new for them so they're going to especially if they're older sometimes it can Mm be trickier there's a story Um, but but they because they're not used to it and they Mm -hmm. they think like well what if I do it wrong all the stories that we have they have as (laughs) well they're older and they've been in school for a while Um, and so they don't they don't trust yet maybe maybe there's a Mm -hmm. thing about I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this like I've this is new to me what do you mean? There's no right answer. So that could be scary to them. Like, but just leave it. And for parents, a tip would be like, you do something. So mm-hmm. you could, you know, make some space at the center or the station or the carousel spot where whatever you're calling it. But maybe you take on one of the challenge and you just like pretend that they are doing what they're doing and you just focus <laughs> on you and you're modeling. Because one of the biggest things is modeling. Mm-hmm. Like, our kids follow our example. They don't like do as I say, not as I do doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we need to show them that it's safe. It's fun. It's, you know, without convincing them, we just need to, sh- to embody it. And you're amazed. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that energy that goes out, they pick up on it. They start to get, then they'll, they'll drift towards something like the, st- the, the feedback we get from this is just like outstanding. Um, yeah, it transforms. Yeah you know, before you know it, you're connecting on a a shared family project. Mm -hmm. Like there are families that are making video designing video games or making uh, so that like the, the daughters or learn the piano on their own. So you just Mm -hmm. like, you have it there and available and it's an option when it's an Mm -hmm. option and an open choice, it removes Mm -hmm. some of that pressure for them. And so that's really 
really neat to see. That's great. That's great. When we are shifting and talking a little bit about empathy, right? And with all that's going on in the world today, how do you, you know, talk to your own child and then children you work with about, you know, race, empathy, compassion, and community? Yeah. And, and sometimes it's tricky because like, we don't, in our house, we don't like watch the news. <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. have, the TV isn't on much. So like, not like we're against it. We just, we just mm-hmm. don't have it on very much. Mm-hmm. I don't want that sensationalized information, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it getting in my brain or, or my daughter's brain. But sure. so what we do is, you know, there, we have lots of books, like in classrooms, they have lots of books. They, they mm-hmm. talk about things, but at home also, like the great thing about teaching the kids about their brains and they can choose their thoughts and, and, you know, this is where things come from and letting them in on this is that it, it kind of in innately teaches empathy because you know, in your head, this is what your brain is doing. So in someone else's head, that's what their brain is doing. And so it, that develops empathy already right there because they can understand that, everybody's brain is doing the Mm -hmm. same thing and Mm -hmm. everybody has feelings based on their thoughts and their experiences. And so it makes sense that that person is thinking that because think about the things that they've been through and they've, they've experienced in their life. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great way. We have also just open discussions. Like we talk about things all the time. We, you know, in the summer, what, what year is it? In 2020, <laughs> right? What in the, I believe it was summer when the George Floyd um, right. murder happened. Yes. So there were some great resources, you know, like Sesame Street did. Like this is age appropriate, right? So right. Sesame Street did a thing. We we talked openly about it, just about treating people with kindness. And so mm-hmm. we had our oh, we we painted some rocks, and. We, we read some books together. We, we talked openly about it. And it's so funny because kids often get this stuff. Like she was like, why are they treating people like that? I said, well, they're mm-hmm. afraid that the people are going to treat them and do bad things to them. She's like, mommy, but they're doing the same thing that they're afraid mm-hmm. that's going to happen. I'm like, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. If a seven-year-old can get this, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we painted some rocks with, you know, Black Lives Matter and other things. Mm-hmm. We got a sign in our front. She wanted the sign that says like, hate has no home here. They've made those mm-hmm. signs. And yeah. so we got one from a friend and put it on the lawn. And, yeah. um, you know, we just really like, we just be true mm-hmm. to what feels right. And we talk about that a lot, true to what feels right in our heart. We went around and put the rocks at local parks and along the way. Yeah. And we like, whatever yeah. feels right to us, we talk about it and mm-hmm. um, why it would or would not be okay. And what things you can say and not say, I mean, you know, you know what I mean? That are mm-hmm. appropriate in, in why it's appropriate and why it's not and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think open dialogue, playing with concepts, and also validating everybody's feelings. Feelings, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like everybody's feeling and opinion is valid. It comes from where they come from. And right. so not shaming or guilting or judging anybody for how they feel. How they feel. Yeah. Um, but really so, striving to understand. Exactly. Ask the questions. 
understand and see if you can see it from like the other perspective. Exactly. And then find a bridge in between the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And we just had pink shirt day here, which represents anti-bullying. And so Mm -hmm. there was, the story was there was a boy in Nova Scotia who went to high school, boy who went to school in a pink shirt and got beat up basically got bullied. Mm. And so some other guys at the school went to a store at lunchtime and bought a whole bunch of pink shirts and came back to the Mm. school and wore the pink shirts to like support him. And it turned into this national pink shirt day. And we just talk about like, you know, what, what do you feel about that? What are your thoughts about that? Like, Mm -hmm. isn't that a ridiculous reason to make fun of, not that you should ever make fun of anybody, but like, isn't that a, like, aren't some of the things we do as humans a little bit odd? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just acknowledging it. Yeah. 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 Well, I see you as a mom changing the world, using your voice as a leader, as an innovative, you know, educational consultant, a neuro coach. Can you tell us a little bit in the nutshell about, you know, how you, you know, what the coaching is about as far as the tapping and the, the, you know, the different modalities. And then from there, you know, how you stay grounded in juggling all that you juggle. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, my so I've combined, like I said, the tapping with the neuro coaching. So the neuro coaching is essentially uncovering those stories that are running in our brains based on our experience. So it happens. I like to use the analogy of like we get this like metaphorical plot of land when we're conceived, and our parents lovingly and out of fear and you know for many different reasons plant stuff in this plot of land our garden for per se and yeah. they plant these things like oh we want her to have the best education and you know oh you got to be respectful to your elders and oh money doesn't grow on trees and they plant all of these things in our garden our metaphorical garden And then they're like, some of it is like, oh, what are the Joneses planting in their garden? Oh, we better put some of that stuff in too, right? Because we got to, if they're going to have it, like, I want my kid to have that too. And so it's kind of like that. Between the ages of zero and seven, we're essentially a walking sponge. So we don't have the, we don't have the capability to, to take something in that we see. So when my parents say like, oh, you know, that's too expensive. You know, we can't afford it. Oh, look at them. They're so greedy wanting all the money. We take that in as truth. Truth. Because mm-hmm. I saw it. I saw it repeatedly. Probably I heard it. And, and we don't have like, well, dad, actually, that's not very kind. And I don't think that's accurate. We don't have that capability. capability yet. So these things get in us and we don't even know they're there. Didn't have our permission. We didn't even know they, it was happening. And our prefrontal cortex isn't actually, which is the thing that allows us to think about our thinking. Like you said, when you were sitting in class, you're like, wait a second, it's not fully developed until we're 21 to 25 years old. And so this is, we just take in these things and they become true. So when we say like, well, that's not true, it's only true based on, because it aligns with what we believe. We have something in our brain called the reticular activating system, which only allows in new things that align with what's already in there. Because it's already been planted. Yeah, we're getting 2 million bits of information every second, and we can't possibly take it all in. So our brain's like, oh, that doesn't align. Money doesn't grow on trees. So I'm going to disregard that because that doesn't align with it. And so it gets reinforced and reinforced, and these things are automated. And those become beliefs, and then that becomes our identity. 
And so whenever we see something that's in contradiction to that, we either, we try to, it's called cognitive dissonance where we're like, that's new information. It doesn't align with what I know to be true. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to alleviate, alleviate that dissonance somehow. I'm either going to accept the new thing because it, it's convincing enough for me to accept it right off the bat. I need to consider it or I'm going to like explain it away because it doesn't align with what I believe. And so we have these things that get wired in and they're physically wired in. Like when you have a thought in your brain, it jumps the synaptic gap. That's a regular thought. When you have that thought repeatedly, it creates this bound connection. And so we have these, that's when it's a belief. So we have these beliefs in our brain, but you can actually do something called synaptic pruning. And basically you stop thinking that thing and, it, and you stop <laughs> using it, right? You, uh, if you ignore it, it goes away kind of philosophy. Right. And so as you stop practicing that thought, it prunes away. So the physical network in your brain that can interlaces it like your fingers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. For the people who aren't seeing this. Yeah. Um, and then you practice a new thought you repeat that and you combine it with emotion and that builds a new neural network in your brain. So we've learned that our brains are actually plastic. We thought that before that we had like a finite number of brain cells you deplete until you die. Now we know we can make new neural connections. We can build new cells in our brains until up till the day we die. So the neuro coaching model helps to identify those beliefs that have been running that are holding us back often from what we want and teaches us how to prune them away. But you can't just, it's like with, with anybody who's addicted to something, they say like, you need to replace the addiction. Like, so a lot of People who go through like alcohol addiction, they start smoking because you, if you stop something, it leaves this gap. And so it's like the foundation of a home. If you pull part of it out, like a pillar from underneath, Mm -hmm. it might crumble. So we want to replace it. So we're building a new neural network and we're pruning the old neural network. And it takes on average about 67 days to do that. And so the neural coaching model helps to identify what networks we want to We need to and want to prune away and helps lock in those new beliefs. We start poking holes in those stories and finding evidence that that, in fact, is not true. It's not objectively true. And so I can believe whatever I want. So what do you want to believe? And we lock that new thing in because our subconscious is running our 80 to 95% of our daily decisions and actions. Mm -hmm. And the whole job of your brain is to keep you safe. So that's why it throws up these negative things to like protect you. Like just, just in case you didn't know, there's a threat over there. (laughs) (laughs) And that helped us a lot when we were like cave people Mm -hmm. running away from tigers, but our brain has not evolved to understand that, you know, someone thinking a bad thing about us is not a tiger in the bush. So Mm -hmm. we, that's what that does. And then the tapping really helps because when these stories come up, like we have stories of, I'm not worthy of this. I don't, I'm not good enough. I, you know, someone doesn't love me, all those kinds of, and that's deep, deep coding in our cells. Like all your thoughts, Mm -hmm. your cells are listening to every thought you have and remember everything. And so when you tap, it kind of shakes up those stories out of your meridians. And again, these are now they've injected dye into people and it travels through the meridians, which we've, you know, cultures have known this for a very long time that we have right. these energetic meridians and now we can scientifically prove it. So now, it, you know, we believe it now. 
So um, <laughs> in the Western world, in the Western world. <laughs> so the energy travels through these meridians and they're the same points as when people get acupuncture mm-hmm. and, and Gary Craig in the 1990s discovered that you can tap on these acupuncture points and get the same benefits as if you insert needles. So it's like lowering blood pressure, it reduces stress, like all these great benefits. So there's something called emotional freedom technique, EFT, that is very common. Now, my coach, Sarah Longoria, she was an EFT practitioner and she had a moment. She was triggered by her children. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) If anybody can relate to that. So she one day, like made sure they were safe, locked herself in the bathroom and started doing her tapping. And it wasn't, it was, EFT is a little bit gentler typically, like it's like releasing this now feeling the anger in my body. I don't need it. I'm releasing it. But she started just like letting loose and saying all the things that were coming up and just, she just raged out kind of like whisper yelling, you know how you do when your kids are around. (laughs) And she was (laughs) tapping on the spots and saying all this stuff. And she said within minutes, she something, she felt this just energy like release from her body. Mm. And she walked out of the bathroom and she was calm and her kids were calm And she was like, I think I might be onto something. And so she developed this. And so part of the neuro coaching model is really like getting into the emotional side. And I added that I combine that when we combine the tapping with it, it really speeds things up and it really gets to the the under core. It's like when you want to remove a tree, you got to dig under the roots, right? You can't just like pull the leaves off. (laughs) And right. cut the branches down right. is not going to work. You so have to go to the root of it all. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, which is back to the analogy with, from our parents, right? That they're planting exactly the seeds. And so now we get to look in our garden, like the neuro coaching model and the tapping is now we're aware a that we have a garden and b mm-hmm. what's in it, and now mm-hmm. we can decide what we want to. We look over and be like, I think that's actually a weed. I don't want that in there. And you, you can now pull it out from the root or below the root. And you think, you know what? I kind of want a bench here just because it's nice. And so you put a bench and then you get to decide what's in your garden and you get to be the creator, as I say, the creator Mm -hmm. of your life. And so that's (laughs) in a nutshell. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Incredible. So typically how long, so how long does it take? Did you say 60 something days is kind of a typical like starting point for someone. Yeah. So you like, it's repeating things when we hear things about 67 times and we do things about 67 times, they say like it takes 21 days to build a habit. It's not Mm -hmm. quite completely accurate because at 21 days, the old neural network and the new neural network are, are establishing like the old ones Mm -hmm. pruning away and the new ones establishing, Mm -hmm. but they're about equal strength. And the mm-hmm. old one will win out every time because we'll tend to default into the familiar. Your brain is designed to keep you in the familiar because it thinks that's safe. So when you go 67 days, that's typically when you feel that shift. And there's something called brain priming. So we're we're repeating these new beliefs that we want into our brain and priming it to find evidence of that new thing instead of evidence of the old thing. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's out to get me versus like the world is full of wonder. So you, your brain, your reticular activating system starts to notice where all the wonder is instead of everybody getting outing to get out to get me. 
Now, sometimes your beliefs can shift in an instant, right? You've, you may have experienced this in your life where you see something or you learn something and instantly you're changed and forever. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it takes longer and it, it doesn't necessarily depend on how long you've thought this thing or how deep it goes. It just how attached you are to it. To it. Mostly. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Okay. Incredible. And I yeah, got to see through the sessions, you know, what that looks like and, you know, practice that uh, as well. And are you going to be doing some of that again in the next session or within this next summit? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about like, so those negative thoughts that come in, Dr. Daniel Amen is kind of the one who coined this term ant automatic negative thought. He's like the leading brain doctor in the state (laughs) or in the world. Really? He, he does brain scans of people. He does spect scans because he's a psychologist and an MD. And he believes like every other part that you go to the doctor for, they look Mm -hmm. at that part, but psychologists kind of like listen to your story and then they prescribe you some drugs. And Mm -hmm. so he's like, I think we need to look at the part (laughs) as well. And so he does the brain scans anyway. So he's done all like half a million brain scans by now. And he knows a lot about the brain. So he coined this term automatic negative thought, and he's identified nine different types. So these thoughts that automatically come in our head that are negative Mm -hmm. to protect us, they kind of go in nine categories. So I'm talking about the categories, and then we do some tapping and get into the feelings and all that great stuff. Enjoying it. Awesome. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So yes, as we're yeah wrapping up, our last question has to do with the theme of one of the themes of the year is overflow. And I would love to hear, you know, for you what that means mm-hmm. as far as overflow and abundance. And you've kind of already talked a little bit about it. This is so fitting because I'm right now in the middle of with Julia Black running a, a program called Becoming Abundant. <laughs> so yes, yes. I'm overflowing with abundance in all areas. <laughs> um, amazing. To me, I I have never chosen a word of the year before. This was a new experience. Mm-hmm. I did it this year in in another container, and my word was trust. And so overflow to me, it's interesting because that's something I've been priming in is like these helpful Mm -hmm. questions. Where is my abundant overflow coming today? I live in the overflow of abundance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so overflow to me is like more than you could imagine, more than you need. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just like extra. So I talk Mm -hmm. about like, Fill your own cup. Like you need, we need to, for ourselves and for the little brains in our lives, learn how to fill our own cup with love. Like it's self love, self care, that stuff, but Mm -hmm. fill our own cup and then revel in the overflow from other people. So not to depend on other people to fill us up, Mm -hmm. but enjoy that they can overflow us because we are Mm -hmm. already full. And I love to picture overflow and abundance as like, I I love looking for it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So since we've been doing this program, Julia and I, and since, you know, learning about kind of manifestation and and all this kind of work, Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I am overflowing (laughs) and abundant in with like love and more joy and time and mm-hmm. fulfillment, like it's just such a delicious word to me. What is yeah. what? Are, what is your interpretation? <laughs> yeah, I similar similar in that I 
the shift that I'm going through is from like the scarcity model yes. and mindset of thinking into that overflow and abundance. And unfortunately, a lot of our like consumerism, a lot of our marketing, a lot, I mean, a lot of our, our experience is steeped in this false sense of scarcity that there mm-hmm. isn't enough for everyone. When in reality, you know, what's yours is yours and what abundance and, you know, um, overflow is there is for you and for nobody else, right? And, and it's yours for the taking and for the having. And so it's moving away from there. There isn't enough mindset. And so I have to, you know, kind of be greedy or I have to not share, right? And moving into that, there is more than enough for all of us to have There's everything more than that's ours. For all of us, yes, yeah. yes. I love that I've stepped into that now because I was very much it's greedy to want more. So not only mm-hmm. are we taught that it's you know there's a pie, and if you right. take more than your share, then you are taking from someone somebody else. else. So not only are we like you get this much, is and it's scarcity, but also if you take more, you're a bad person, mm-hmm. and. I don't, I find the opposite true. If you hold yourself Mm. back, not that you're a bad person, but if you hold yourself back, that impacts the people around you. Like, you know, when Mm. you're feeling the overflow and you're feeling abundant, how much, like we talked about the energy before, how much that, how much more positively that impacts the people around you. You show up differently, right? Like you, you give more, you just feel better when you're restricting yourself and like, oh, I shouldn't do that. And right. I say we're shooting all over ourselves. But like <laughs> right. when, when we do that, then we're holding back and we feel like, oh, I better get mine because I don't know when it's going to go away kind of right. energy. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. That. Yes. Thank you so much. So mm-hmm. how can people, you know, connect with you and find out more? Yeah, sure. So I, I always fumble over this because I'm not great at (laughs) being on social media. I don't love it, but I'm there. Something to work on something something that can, that can can change. Right. Absolutely. Yes. So I, yeah, I, I, it's the looking at the phone. Right. But, um, I do have an Instagram it's teaching dot little dot brains and I have a private Facebook group it's teaching, teaching little brains. So you can request to come in there. Mm-hmm. I, my podcast is the best way to kind of like hear Find what you. I'm about and then decide yeah. if you want to come into my space <laughs> or not, because you know, I'm not for everybody. <laughs> so yeah, there, that, and then just, you know, you can, I, I do messenger I have, so I love like connection. So right. it's the like sort of like, you know, I feel more connected through like direct messages or whatever. So if you want to, that's can can reach out to you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for talking Mm -hmm. and sharing with us today. Really appreciate this conversation could go on and on and on all day. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And make sure to, you know, reach out to her teaching little brains as well as look out for and join and be a part of the summit coming up for Mm -hmm. calming the ADHD family. Thank you, Sarah. And to everybody who's listening, have an overflowing, abundant day. Thanks for listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. 
The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the moms we interview and find out how to work with Akua as a parenting coach. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.